Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing you energy matters in an informal setting. In today's pod, we discuss the energy transition and meeting Europe's net zero targets. Are we on track to hit those objectives? Is the current market design the correct framework to get us there and enable the integration of wind and solar into the grid? The key component of greening the continent's energy system is providing backup power when the wind doesn't blow and when the sun doesn't shine on a cold winter's night. Something the Germans have an expression called Dunkelflaute. Uh, I'm Richard Sverson, and helping me discuss these issues and much more is Anja Frada of Wärtsilä. Uh, a warm welcome, and I hope you're well, Anja. Thank you. Yeah. Where, where are you based, Anja? I'm based in Helsinki, Finland. Okay. They, you just had a, a new nuclear plant go online there after after many years of delays. How, how does that feel? Well, I think it's it's uh, good to have it finally online. Uh, as as you said, it, we have been waiting for it for quite some time. Absolutely. It's been a few years delayed, shall we say, and certainly um, certainly um, many cost overruns as well. But we're not here to talk about nuclear or, 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 or Finland, really. Uh, Anja, we're talking about um, into the integration of renewables into the grid and me- meeting uh, Europe's net zero targets. Um, what, what, in your view, is needed to, to further accelerate the integration of wind and solar in, in, into Europe's energy systems? So at the moment, I think uh, we have ambitious decarbonization targets in, uh, in uh, Europe, which is a good thing. Uh, I think the main issue, what we see is, uh, especially on the renewables deployment, uh, I think the big of, biggest bottleneck we have is actually on the permitting side. Uh, so and I think this is now an issue also that that is being uh, acknowledged and also steps are being taken uh, in the right direction. But just as an example, um, we have about 18 gigawatts of uh, renewables that are being stuck in permitting process at the moment, uh, and and so there is clearly a need to to accelerate the, the permitting and also get get the renewables uh, deployed. Mm. I mean that's obviously this is often mentioned when I when I talk to uh, people certainly in southern Europe. But is this also a case? Is this a widespread phenomenon across Europe? Is it also the case in in, in the Nordics, uh, for example, Anja? Well, I think we are seeing uh, uh, like we are seeing, of course, that uh, renewables are being deployed at speed. So I think this is really being driven by the fact that renewables is the most economic way to produce electricity. So I think we are clearly going in in the right direction, but I think the speed is not enough. Uh, So, for example, last year uh, we had about 16 gigawatt of new wind uh, coming online, uh, but actually on average we would need to have more than 30 gigawatts per year. So we are sort of halfway on on where we where we actually should be in terms of speed. I think it's clear that permitting needs to be speeded up. but isn't that easier said than done? I mean, uh, how do you go about doing that in 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 practice? Yeah, I think now the the EU has said has taken uh, some actions. So there is a revised uh, renewable directive uh, that should also speed up the process and make it make it simpler. Uh, but I think okay, one of the really uh, one one of the sort of issues with the renewables has has been for quite some time already that. It's sort of people don't want to have it in their own backyard. Um, so I think that's still probably going to be an issue. But on the other hand, I think we need to see the importance of, of having the renewables deployed um, and also driving it through in 
on a local level on and on country level as well as on EU. Hmm. So uh, dealing with the nimbyism, I mean, how how do you go about that? I mean, it's kind of do you is it more uh, through education, through public awareness? I mean, how how do you how can you combat that? Hmm. Well, I think, uh, of course, we are all in the same boat, uh, right? We all, all need to make, um, we all need to decarbonize and we need to achieve a net zero future. So from that point of view, I think we can all play play our own role in, in this one. Mm. I mean, it's, you know, we had the instance here in Norway, which was also quite illuminating, I think, and, and was certainly frustrating for many uh, on both sides of the fence. But when you had a wind park here in, in, in uh, you know, in mid-Norway, up near Trondheim, uh, the Forsen wind park being, um, you know, the controversy, controversy around that and, and the Sami reindeer herders. Um, and, and they, you know, and then you had Greta Thunberg flying into Oslo um, to join the protesters. So, you know, it's, it's 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 uh, it's an issue certainly, isn't it? Um, in terms of uh, rolling out the renewables, but I think also we we see an increasing uh, amount of offshore wind. Uh, so of course that also should should help the issue in uh, in 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 a sense. So, um, but as I said, I think we need to look at this as um, we need to find solutions to to come over the issue and so that we can all enjoy uh, renewable uh, renewable electricity. Absolutely. And uh, you mentioned the sol- solutions um, and you also mentioned the Renewable Energy Directive uh, coming from, from, from the European Commission. Um, you know, last month, the, the, the European Commission published its market design proposals. What, what was your reaction to, 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 the, to those, uh, Anja? Well, I, uh, we have, of course, also been heavily in, involved in the work and, and followed up um, what is happening. So, of course, renewable is 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 clearly uh, clearly a must. Uh, I think where we see still some room for improvement is on on the flexibility side. So I think the EU electricity market reform uh, has focused focused quite a lot on uh, on demand side management and storage uh, in terms of flexibility, but it sort of overlooks the fact that we also need to have firm flexible capacity. Um, so I think this is uh, like the the flexibility will be really will play a really key role in in our future energy systems. Uh, so it's not enough to only have the renewables. We really need to ensure that we have the flexibility and the flexibility uh, both as a combination of short term um, flexibility, but also the longer duration one. So could you be more specific then? What what type of flexibility uh, is required here? This is this is the backup. This is the when I said in the introduction for the the cold uh, winter's day where there's uh, very little wind. Um uh what 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 kind of flexibility would be optimum in those kind of situations? So as as said, uh, I think now the the directive is more focusing on the short term flexibility and that's mainly the energy storage. So I think energy storage is of course a a really needed component in our energy system. But then when we look at longer periods of time, um, then you also need to have the firm capacity. And for us, the firm capacity is really flexible engine-based power plants uh, that are able to to quickly react to the market conditions so they are able to ramp up and ramp down according to according to the renewable um, generation uh, so I think when we look at um, 
sort of firm assets. Uh, we usually talk about uh, nuclear or we talk about coal or we talk about um, about engine-based power plants. And uh, But the what the issue usually is with the coal and, and the nuclear is that they are not flexible. Um, so in case there is uh, a lot of renewables in the system, you cannot ramp, ramp them down, which means that you actually need to curtail the renewable energy, which is of course not something that we want to do. And uh, that's why when we talk about the flexibility, it's really important that, um, that the capacity can adapt to the renewable generation so that we don't run them unless, unless we have to. Uh, and there, I think uh, our technology in terms of flexible engine power plants is really one of the leading ones. Yeah, what, what's the fuel there? Is that is that is it gas, right? Or what? Uh... Today we we use mainly gas, uh, but I think it's really important to highlight that uh, the gas uh, gas can be then uh, substituted by sustainable fuels in the future. So when we will have availability of uh, of hydrogen or other zero carbon or zero neutral um, carbon neutral fuels then we can also uh, convert these plants to using, for example, hydrogen or ammonia or, or methanol. So it's, uh, I think the future proofing of these assets are, are really important. So they are not, um, they, they, they can run on other fuels uh, than gas than when, when we have them available. Are market signals that currently you see in the short term and, and in the long term market, are they enough to, to incentivize the constructions of, of such backup capacity? Uh, or do you need, need additional uh, mechanisms such as a capacity market? What would you what what's what's your view here, Anya? This is actually in the work we we did for the uh, for the market reform as well. Uh, when we have looked at the markets, we we see that there is not enough incentive today. Um, so um, uh, what we really would need is a sort of a capability market. Uh, so similar to to what you mentioned, the capacity market, but also looking at um, uh, the characteristics of uh, of the technology in terms of what services it can provide to the grid. Um, so, so I mentioned a few already, like uh, fast startup uh, or, or ramp down of um, of the technology, uh, adapting to to um, or like being able to basically adapt to to the renewable uh, generation. I think are really really key ones. So it's sort of a capacity market. That really takes into consideration also how you can operate that technology. So it's not only there as a sort of backup uh, in case of emergency. Okay, that, that's interesting. I mean, you see, uh, Sweden is is looking also to some form of uh, backup capacity mechanism, isn't it? It's just announced, and I know maybe there are plans in, in Germany as well. Is this is this something you're seeing more and more in several member states in Europe, maybe globally as well? Yeah, I think uh, I think the, this is a hot topic at the moment. So um, I think it's recognized that uh, that the investments in flexibility need to be there. And I think actually we see some of this also when we talk about the energy storage. So in general, the flexible assets, um, the sort of best market conditions where we incentivize uh, more capacity is when you have a possibility for different revenue streams. So you can sort of maximize the revenue streams based on, on what service you can provide to the grid. So 
Um, I think markets, uh, I think there's a discussion, also active discussion going on in the UK, for example, um, of course in the in Europe, but uh, but we are doing or talking about the same topics also in the US. So you're providing the full range of ancillary services with this kind of capacity, yeah, um, in, in a sense, yeah. Um, but th- there's one issue as well, which is, which we've seen emerging quite a lot uh, in, in current weeks and the outlook is for these kind of incidents to continue in that the 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 problem of i suppose it's cannibalization when you have when you have too much capacity in one area potentially also low demand you see the instances of of negative prices now uh, we've seen that recently in the netherlands uh, we've also seen you know the the opposite effect as well when when intraday prices really hit the roof for, for certain periods are we likely to see more of this going forward Without the kind of uh, without the kind of solutions that I know that you've been talking about with the um, the flexibility uh, options. Yeah, I think uh, we will see more volatility in the market. That's clear, and uh, of course, the negative prices occur when you have uh, too much uh, generation at the same time. Uh, and here, I would al- also like to note the coming back to the flexibility point. So. When we have these uh, days where there's uh, like really optimal renewable generation conditions, it's super important that we have flexible capacity in the system because then they don't need to run. But if you have like big nuclear plants or or big coal plants that you cannot shut down, you will curtail the the uh, renewable energy. And uh, so that's uh, that's really when we look at the whole power system that's why it's so important that you design it properly so um, you can really take advantage of of the renewables uh, but yes i think like uh, clearly we will have more volatility in in the prices um, and i think here also the energy storage of course uh, will also play a key role so when there is a lot of renewables uh, if you have the energy storage you can store the energy when when the prices are low which can then be utilized uh, again when there is um, less uh, less generation and and then get a get a good price also for that electricity. So, what in your view would be the sort of perfect energy system, then, Anya? Well, uh, we we have an in-house uh, modeling team in in Vatsila, So, what we do is we model the optimal path uh, and optimal power systems for for a lot of different countries. We have more or less modeled every country in the world already. So. Um, and and it depends uh, country by country. Uh, I would say that the path uh, to achieve it is is very similar. Um, but I would say it depends. For example, some countries have a lot of uh, hydropower. Uh, other countries have uh, have a big nuclear installed base. So this will of course impact also how the optimal system looks like. Uh, but in general, what we see is that the future power systems will be based on renewables coupled with flexible capacity uh, and that usually usually gives um, the uh, least cost um, uh, system so in other words uh, the the cheapest electricity for for consumers absolutely if you had a wish list to policymakers in brussels what 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 would what would be uh, top of your list or top two items on your list that you would ask them to do to 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 in 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 terms of the market design discussion in terms of the market design uh, discussion i would i would clearly uh, emphasize the fact that uh, that more flexible capacity is needed and uh, there needs to be 
proper incentives uh, in the market to to invest, make the needed investment into into flexibility. Uh, and then the other one, I think, is is really to look at this from a technology agnostic point of view. So uh, really think about which are the um, or like how do you design a market that will incentivize the best uh, like build out of the best power system for us? So really um, incentivizing the right technologies to be built. Mm, absolutely. I mean, you know, that's uh, they have a have a difficult. Um... Uh, job to do the policy makers in Brussels to design the the right framework but uh, you know um, uh, they're certainly working very hard at it but I think is there a danger here that we and that certainly some countries and some uh, companies even um, uh, are locking themselves into a sort of fossil fuel future in, in the medium term I mean we've had we've seen uh, after the war and the war started in the Ukraine uh, companies scrambling to to source and procure LNG, uh, which is then you know um, we've seen a spate of LNG terminals. Okay, they're floating, but they're they you know is there a danger here that um, companies are you know investing in 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 gas particularly when they when they should be more focusing on renewables? Well, I think uh, usually when we work together, for example, with utilities, uh, they usually look at their portfolio of assets, uh, which can be a mix. Uh, and I think what we are advocating for is, of course, to ensure uh, investments in, in renewables, but then couple them with flexibility, which is then, you know, either energy storage or, or gas-based plants. But one thing I really would like to highlight again is the fact that... Um, uh, a plant that runs on gas today uh, can be converted to use other fuels and sustainable fuels in the future when when there is enough availability of those. So and and that I think is really one of the key advantages of of the our our technology. So engine based power plants is that uh, that these engines later on can be converted to use other fuels, uh, which are then zero carbon. Is enough being done to develop those those fuels, those alternative fuels? I mean, biogas, for example, you know, and also, you know, green hydrogen potentially is being talked about. Yeah, I think uh, there is a lot of discussion ongoing about the the green hydrogen. Of course, the green hydrogen is sort of the ingredient for all the other fuels as well. So that's really where where we start from. Um, I think both in the EU and also in the US, I think there there is a lot of uh, discussion regarding the hydrogen and how to how to incentivize that. So in a way, I think um, the topic has clearly been been um, been highlighted, and uh, and I think actions are already being taken. Uh, but of course, the um, it all starts from the renewables. So of course, to produce the green hydrogen, you need the renewable, and you need the sort of excess renewable to to uh, to be there in order to have um cheap cheap and or affordable hydrogen absolutely i mean i can see the the discussion here about you know certainly for storage when when you have a a surplus of renewable energy you you fill up the the energy storage systems but i mean to me i you know i've 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 looked at this in in, in some depth and and uh, from all different angles but burning hydrogen for me to generate power doesn't seem to make any economic sense i don't know what what your view is here on you well, I think the, of course, the first uh, first step is the electrification. So, from a, from like an efficiency point of view, the electrification is is of course uh, the smartest way, uh, if that's possible. But I think the um, 
uh, in some of the really hard to abate uh, sectors, that's not an option. So their hydrogen uh, will be used in order to, to decarbonize different industries, like, for example, steel. Um, but I think, uh, again, maybe going back to sort of the big picture, when we look at the, uh, when we look at the, the whole power system, um, you will, of course, deploy a lot of energy storage, but energy storage also has a limit in terms of duration. So, um, and, and that's really where sort of the um, uh, gas-based or, or uh, sustainable fuel-based plants come in. Um, you cannot overbuild the system to be able to cope with the longer, longer time periods when, um, when, for example, there is no renewable generation. And, and that's why you need to have another solution for that. And, and at the moment, for long duration, um, the, let's say, gas-based gas or, or sustainable-based plants are, are the most viable option. Mm. And also for, in terms of seasonal storage here? Um, yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, a final sort of round of questions now, Anya, and, and I'm looking, you know, do you think there's a risk of, of stranded assets for, for in, in some country in, in Europe in terms of, you know, um, uh, companies or countries locking themselves into, similar to the what I asked before, but about this time in about stranded assets, that there's a risk of locking into inflexible assets? Yeah, I think that that's really the key, key thing, right? So you need to if you invest uh, in technology today, you need to ensure that it's it's as flexible as possible, um, because the inflexibility is is uh, that will not work optimally in a renewable based system. So the more flexible the asset, the the better it is. And uh, I, at least my personal opinion is that uh, that's that's not a risk, especially when you have the the op opportunity and possibility to to use other. Um, other fuels in the future mm. but i think you know you see like the country where you're based uh, france uh, the uk they, they have massive plans to build out or roll out uh, nuclear uh, plants and nuclear capacity but if i understand you correctly you're saying these are actually not very flexible at all and may not be able to fit perfectly with the renewable system is is that would that be correct Anya? yes that's correct so uh, nuclear is the i would say the most least flexible of all uh, so you're not really able to ramp up or ramp down a, a nuclear plant uh, so it runs on on base load um, and uh, there is uh, of course plans uh, but I think uh, when we look at this again from like power system modeling point of view we see that actually the nuclear is always the most expensive uh, option because it's so expensive to build uh, and and that's a big big bottleneck, I would say, uh, for for the nuclear technology as such. Uh, it takes a long time to get the assets deployed, and they cost a fortune. Mm. But they can't sort of what's it sort of load run, or they can't be flexible in terms of uh, balancing renewables. Yet um, we are seeing you know huge plans in in, in several European countries to to expand their uh, capacities in, in with that technology. Yeah, and and basically what happens then, as I mentioned already, is that um, if you have this inflexible capacity that you cannot ramp down, what happens is that you need to curtail the renewables, um, and and of course that's I think an 
that's something we don't want to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and if you're curtailing your renewables and prices and negatives, you may be also giving signals to investors that maybe it's not such a good idea to invest there. You know, uh, wouldn't that be also a way of looking at it? So, yeah, but uh, it's a, certainly a, a very complex uh, arena. And yeah, thank you very much for, for shedding some lights on, on and how we can get to, to, to net zero and, and meet the challenges of the energy transition. So thank you very much for being a guest on the Montel Weekly Podcast. Thank you. So, listeners, you can now follow the podcast on our own Twitter account, aptly named the Montel Weekly Podcast. Please direct message any suggestions, questions, or, you know, let us know if you, if you think you have a good idea for a guest on the show. You can also send us an email to podcast at montelnews.com. Lastly, remember to keep up to date with all that's happening in energy markets on Montel News. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you and goodbye.